Um, so amazing that we sung Reckless Love. Um, and I, lo- I love that song. I really, really love that song. And today we're talking about sacrifice. You know, um, sacrifice of Jesus and what does that mean for us in terms of how do we as Christians work out us being sacrificial as a body. Um, and uh, it's not going to be easy. I, I pray that we, we, we have open hearts to hear this. If you're like me, I really struggled with this, right? Because you have, we're going to talk about two things, self-preservation and sacrifice, right? And when you see those things in, in tandem, I'm not joking here, there was once or twice I wanted to ring Rob and say, Rob, uh, get somebody else this weekend. But um, reckless love, uh, I wasn't going to start here, but it just really moved my heart to go, wow, reckless love, Jesus was reckless with his own reality. Like, he literally stepped into a world that was full of risk for him. Like, he became human. And we'll touch on this maybe a little bit later on, but just think about it. Um, Herod asked for all the Babas to be killed, right? And um, God told Joseph, uh, an angel came to, to Joseph and said, you've got to move to Egypt. So there, there was real tangible risk for Jesus. This is the reality. He came into a stew of pain, hurt, the whole shebang. So that's what we're talking about today. Self-preservation versus sacrifice and what is real sacrifice. Mal, I'm going to ask you to play that video for me in a sec, but we want to see a little bit of a video. I don't know if you've seen this movie called The Guardian, Kevin Costner. Uh, he's a lifeguard, coast guard dude, and like they jump into waves. Like They don't just jump into swimming pools, they jump into seas you know, from helicopters to, to try and save people. All right. In this clip, you're going to see what self-preservation looks like versus sacrifice. So let's have a, a quick gander at it. Go for Mal. So, husband and wife, what a relationship, huh? Yeah, no. Yeah, go watch the movie. She, she survived. But, um, what a... Yeah, all right. As a husband, self-preservation, wants only for himself. You know, the heart, and you see then the heart of, of the saviour, the guardian that risks everything. Lifeguards, when they go through training, this is what they're taught. They're taught when they, when you go to a, to, you're about to save somebody, a survivor, you've got to stop and you've got to tell them, jump on me and I'm leaving you. You're literally, that's their instruction that they have to say, jump on me because, now this is their rhetoric, what they say is one person dying is absolutely tragic, two people dying is horrendous. And that's one of the warnings you're given as a lifeguard. When you go out, you've got to really be commanding and, and because they can take you under. Right, and that's the risk. So, like being a, what you're seeing him, I see Jesus leaving the safety of the helicopter and risking it all. Like sometimes when we read scripture, there's a lofty religious Jesus that we we get, and we go, there was not really at risk for Jesus, right? See, oh come on, like in fairness, then why did Joseph have to move him? Why did the angel have to say to him, Joseph, move him? There was serious risk. There was risk in Jesus' life. He felt everything. There was this the reality of, of what Jesus did for us. He, did, he left a lot behind. He left the safety of the helicopter for us to encounter waves. Mal, if you could put up the first slide for me, please. When I think of sacrifice, and I'm going to be pretty open and very, very honest here, 
This is my very small definition of, of sacrifice. Diminishment of your reality, my reality, to, to fulfill somebody else's. And yeah, you're going to hear absolute selfishness in that from me. You're absolutely, because there's times for me that I go, pants to that. I want my reality. I want to stay in the comfort of the helicopter. You know, I'm gonna. I don't want to do something for a moron, right? This kind. Of, you know, you you make excuses, or the waves are too big, right? And for me, that stops me from entering the sacrificial heart that I think God is asking us to have. It's a pretty small definition. So when we look at what sacrifice is in scripture we see a lot of different things and we're going to add to this definition as we go along today Mal, next, next slide if you, if you will um, so again I'm not talking about the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross I'm talking about the sacrifice that he continually made all the way up to the cross the ultimate sacrifice right? the, the things that he had to do even like had to go through the pain of losing his earthly father had to go through the pain of been rejected by his family and friends. You know, all of these really tough things you see in Scripture. But I think for me, and, and I can only speak for me, I, I tend to gloss over that because I go, super spiritual Jesus, he could handle all of that. But if we were to really believe in Scripture, again, fully, fully human and felt everything, I like that Jesus. And he knows exactly what I, what I go through. And he sacrificed a lot. He felt pain. He wept over Jerusalem. Not these, uh, you know, kind of lofty, oh, I'm so sorry for you. It was like crying his heart out. I'm so in agony for you. However, and as we expand this, my, my simple definition of, of what uh, sacrifice is, sacrifice can go into such three different ways. The biblical way, which we'll talk in a second, and what I believe Jesus is asking us to step into, or two other ways. It can be no sacrifice at all. And in Matthew 25 and Luke 19, it's pretty clear that what, what Jesus' heart is towards an unsacrificial, staying in the helicopter attitude. Like it's the story of the talents, right? I gave you talents. You know, money. Like, okay, stay in the helicopter. And with the guy that stayed in the helicopter, but, hey, look, but I give, I, I'm giving your money back. And it's a pretty rude awakening for, 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 for that self-preservation, you know, attitude. And again, just remember, there's no conviction, uh, no condemnation here. It's only conviction, right? It's no condemnation. I want to be gentle with, with our hearts here this morning. And then the other side of things, which gets pretty rough, and I'm, I'm going to, my heart has easily gone here and has gone here, right? The second part where sacrifice is, wow, I'm really brilliant, haven't I? <laughs> wow. I, I go and feed people who need, need food. I give money to the poor. And you're, wow, you really see Jesus' attitude to that, right? You see how he goes, wow, you're... Your, your deeds are, are near, but your heart is so far away. Your heart is so far away. And there's a warning here that I believe that Jesus has for us. Matthew 7. 
this is related to this, the, the, the attitude of our hearts and sacrifice and, and, and just listen to these words. Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. And Jesus said, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. And, and in Matthew 7, I, I, I'd love you to, if you have your Bible with you, underline the word we. And that is the key difference. If your sacrifice, so Matthew 7, 22 to 29, if you, if, you, if you in your sacrificial moments of life where you go, uh, somebody asks you, this is the litmus test, why do you do it? And you don't say because of God or because of, because one of our first value, our first value is because of God's overflow. God loves us first, right? And if, from there, we don't go because of God. You're in that we phrase. I don't believe our church is there without a shadow of a doubt, but it's a good place to check your heart that it's because of we. Didn't we do it, Lord? That's a really important thing to meditate on and go, Lord, I want to check my heart with you so that when I'm in front of you, I go because of you. I did because of you. The struggle is real, folks. The struggle of self-preservation and sacrifice. It's not natural. It's not natural. Now, if you say it is, please give me your, some of your je ne sais quoi. Because I tell you, it's not natural for me to self-sacrifice. Just have a listen in Ephesians 5. And this was the crux of my struggle that I felt the Lord wanted me to speak on sacrifice. And I'm going to be very open and honest here. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma to God. I'm going to be very honest when I read this because I prayed some weeks ago and I said, Lord, not knowing what the answer would be, I said, Lord, I'd love, I'd love to be a better husband and I'd love to be a better father. Right? I didn't know what answer I was going to get. Because I thought I had it made. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm pretty okay. Put a good front on, don't they? Right? You know, right? He had different plans. I was driving uh, a few weeks ago and uh, as I do, have, try and have a chat with, with Jesus and he asked me, what's that about? something in my heart, in my relationship with Lorraine and in my, my family life. What's that about? Because it was a heart position. It was diminishment of your reality to fulfill somebody else's. I was like, I'm not diminishing my reality. I didn't, didn't realise I had an issue here. And then he brought me to this scripture. Same chapter. Chapter 5, Ephesians. Watch what it says about husbands and wives. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as, you, as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives, you submit to your husbands and everything. And this is where he brought me to, 25 onwards for me. For husbands, this means you love wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her 
to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love to himself. (laughs) No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for his church. I'm not joking, you guys, that floored me. And in my conversation to Jesus, there was a few expletives. It was like, you having a laugh? I can't do that. Yeah, serious? serious? I was like, flip off. Yeah, I can't do that. You having a laugh? Be like you? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not you. I'm not. I don't, <laughs> where do we bloody start here? And selfishness, my own ego, selfishness is like, and this is what Jesus was bringing to me. You think sacrifice is a give and a take and an ebb and a flow and a war and a this and a that. He said, you've got to stop that. I was stopping my definition of diminishment of your reality, Bernard, to fulfil somebody else's. Are you having a laugh, Jesus? Oh, what a job he did on me. Now, this is, this is where he brought me for sacrifice and then he showed me that the, the reality of sacrifice, our thoughts of us being a church together and how we are to embody this, how we expanded my definition was pretty phenomenal. But I'm just going to say the struggle is real. It's tough. Self-preservation. This world is banging on your door. Your own fleshly ways that has been thankfully crucified at the cross still pops up its head and says... <laughs> Keep yourself right. Stay in a helicopter. It's freezing down there. You might get hurt. And my retort to that is, Jesus, I can't jump out of this helicopter. So where did he bring me to? He said, Bernard, have I not given you a new heart? Ezekiel 36. I'd mark it and meditate it. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart (laughs) and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's surgery right there. That's not easy. That is open heart surgery. And if honestly, you can honestly say that you don't need it, you're a bigger person than me because I need open heart surgery. And then he said, I've also given you a spirit that's alive to Christ. Your spirit no longer is dead to God. It's alive to God. John 7:38. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. I will give you the new heart. <laughs> and I will make rivers of living water flow out of it. Now I tell you honestly that was such a relief. <laughs> because I was like. Okay, I can't do it. But I need to yield to you doing it. And I need to recognize the battle of my flesh is real. And that that's not where you want me to stay. Just in this awful battle of thinking that my diminishment of my reality, that I lose. Because if that was the case, Jesus would have stayed in a helicopter. Romans 8.10 And Christ lives within you so even though your body will die because of sin the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. For, and then Ephesians 2.6 For he raised us from the dead along with Christ 
and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And that's talking about your spirit being seated with Christ. You have a new heart, even though sometimes you don't realize it. And, it, and the flesh bears its head, the old heart, self-preservation. But tr- Every time I think about this, Jesus shows me that I'm trying to put the flesh bits back on over a beautiful golden heart that he gives us. But I'm trying to still put back on the flesh, you know, not, not allowing him to, to unpack. And can I tell you that the beauty about this is that it's supernatural. You can't do it yourself. I found in this bizarre conversation in the car, shouting out a scripture, but shouting it to him as if he didn't know it. (laughs) Going, I'm weak, I can't do it. And then the Holy Spirit goes, finish the sentence. Okay. But in your strength, in my weakness, you are strong. (laughs) It's a little prompt from the Spirit. Me admitting that I'm weak, I need desperately, was the catalyst for Jesus to go, there you go. You're right, you can't do it. You can't. Supernatural. But I've given you a new heart and your spirit's alive. We go from there. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-11. to Each time he says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Well, Lord, I can't wait because I am the, I'm weak. <laughs> I am weak. Hallelujah, I can't do it on my own. Great. And that's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty that you don't have to have it made. So, so, here, so now I'm glad I boast in my weakness. I boast that I fail as a husband. I fail, I fail as a dad. But Jesus, I, I, I don't want to dwell there. I want, to, I want you to come in and fix that stuff. I want you to come in and be strong for me. Fill the gaps. Grow me. Make me mature. Make me the person you want me to be in you. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. This is Paul speaking. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, the troubles for that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you see this in the book of Acts. If you're, tra- if you're trending with the Bible project, you see this supernatural love of people. It is unnatural. Don't for a second think that people are just being great all of a sudden. It's a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit where people are selling their stuff to give to others. That is supernatural. That is a new heart and a new spirit. That is utterly supernatural. And I'm going to be honest. That's meant to still happen. That's how we're meant to be. And where God brought me to this is that, Bernard, you are to think differently. And I was like, okay, this is not natural to me. It's not natural to me. So here it is, folks. I, I was praying for somebody during the week. And, they, and God said, uh, who, who are they to me? And I went, your son? <laughs> Bit obvious question, did I get that right? He said, well, who are they to you? Friend? Pal? Brother, was the last thing I said. 
What God has asked us to do is look upon one another no longer as just acquaintances but as actual brothers and sisters because we are the same in him and we have the same father. Like literally, it's not a nice thing. Hey, you're my brother. When we walk out the door and not make that a reality, it's, it, it's a reality. And I, I confess, that was weird. I'm like, why didn't I think of this before, Lord? I, just re- I read those scriptures. So where you're, I, this is where God brought me to. All of the people that you know in your church that you're, are your brothers and sisters. Their worries are your worries. Their burdens are yours, burners. Their worries for money, concerns, they're yours too. Their worries for, for whatever they're going through, they're yours too. We are to bear one another's burdens. Like literally, bear, bear it. Like bear it up. This is why. This is why I, I believe the enemy did a number on the church. Give them a churchianity that is not real. Give them something that they can just go, self-preservation, do it on a Sunday. No skin in the game. Come in, put on the face, put on the garb, and walk out and they're not your brothers and sisters. But somebody could be really, like, in bits in the pew. What's that about? So, Mal, go for it. Second last slide, buddy. Diminishment of your reality to fulfill someone else's. However, in that, in that act, your life reality is made far greater knowing that others thrive in the outcome of your sacrifice and love. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. We are alive. We, we, we live because of Jesus. We live because he, his reality, he diminished his reality. He came from heaven. He diminished it all. He risked it all. He risked so much that we may have said no. Like Imagine, imagine no one took him on as Savior. Still would have done it. Imagine that as a risk. And there will be people that go, no. That's a, the risk that he took. This is why I'm convinced that when, he, when Peter says, no, 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 you're not going to die. He had such a reaction to go, don't go there. Get behind me, Satan. Because that was taken away his, it was in the, in the realm of religion, it was taken away, no, I, I've made this choice. You shut your mouth, Satan. I've made this choice. I've made a diminishment to my reality so that other people will live. Galatians 6.2 Share each other's burdens. In this way you obey the law of Christ. This is it, the law of Christ. If we look at Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, and and we see not just the cross, but move backwards and what he gave up, and try and get rid of that religious veneer and see what he gave up. I was trying to meditate on this, and I'll try and hold my, myself together a little bit. And genuinely, when I get, when I was, I think of this, it's just so deep for me. I, I don't know where it'll bring you, but it's really, really deep for me. And um, I found myself on the side of the road on the hill that Jesus had to climb with the, with the cross. 
And uh, I, on my right hand side, I felt the Holy Spirit say, what would you say to Jesus? And Jesus was there with his cross. What would you say to him? And uh, I, felt, I felt in my heart, it was two things I was going to say. Right? One was, stop. Oh my goodness, no Jesus, this is not fair. Let's The Peter thing. And then I had to say, you've got to keep going. Please don't stop. Please don't stop. You've got to go to the cross. Because if you don't, I, I, I don't get you. I don't live. Please. So I found myself cheerleading up the hill. Go, keep going. Keep going. Please keep going. And in Hebrews 12, this is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin so that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Now I can put the last slide up. And this was the last bit that I felt Jesus say, put this in. Because this is him. Where I have to joyously accept diminishment of my reality. It's such a contradiction in such a, a sentence. I have to joyously, I don't have to, but that's the gospel. That I joyously accept the diminishment of my reality to fulfill somebody else's. However, in that act, my reality is actually made far greater knowing that others strive in the outcome of my sacrifice and love. Because Jesus did exactly that for me. And it's all because of Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He diminished, he jumped out of the helicopter. He got into the dirt. And he's doing it today for us. He's getting into the dirt, diminishing his reality. Diminishing everything is at risk. His heart still gets broken, folks. We could still deny him. We still not, don't mature in him. His heart breaks. We still say, no, Jesus, I don't want to go there for restoration. I don't want to do this. We still struggle with him. He still has a heart of flesh. Imagine if we lived like this. And then there's another bit that goes, well, I have to, I have skin in the game here. I want to stay safe on the sofa. 